Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. Good morning. That is so strong. I love it. I welcome all of you into this house of worship, this place of prayer and fellowship and joy and love. I welcome you whether you are here present physically in the sanctuary or present via electronic means. We are all part of the worshiping body of Christ that is represented here as the Village Church. I want to extend a special welcome this morning to our new interim associate pastor, Jan Cook. Jan, we're happy to have you today. The staff has been having some difficulty speaking about Jan and Jan. We're not sure which Jan we're talking about. Juan, we've decided on maybe the good Jan and the bad Jan, the old Jan and the new Jan. I don't know, there's all kinds of options there. None of them are good. So figure it out on your own. What you and I have figured out, friends, is that it's important, it's vital for us to worship the living God. So let us be called together to worship as we read responsively from the first psalm. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers. They are like trees planted by streams of water which yield their fruit in its season and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Friends, let us worship God.
That's why we come to confession. We come to confession to say, I'm sorry. We come to confession to say, we can do better. And we come to admit that we can do neither of those things on our own. Friends, let's go to God in confession together. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength, nor have we loved others as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us amend what we are and direct what we shall be so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name, in Christ we pray, amen. God loves you. You are the beloved, and that's why we can declare with great joy that in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. of Christ be with you. As we share our personal greetings, we invite all children, fifth grade and younger, to meet in the back where Sunday school leaders are waiting to welcome you especially. Let's greet one another. Friends, as we settle back in, let me mention just a few things that are happening in the life of the church in the days and weeks ahead, always encouraging you to read everything that we send to you so you're sure not to miss out on any of the exciting things coming up. Uh, this coming Saturday, you're invited to come and paint and decorate one of five playhouses that already have been built. They will then be shared with military families in our area, and that way we'll spread a bit of the joy of Christ. So if you know how to paint, if you don't know how to paint, come anyway. We'd be happy to have you. Two weeks from today is our alternative Christmas market. Yes, indeed, Christmas is coming, and we want you again to have the opportunity to support some of the many missions of our congregation by way of providing gifts to those that you love. So plan to be here a bit longer on that Sunday and to participate in the alternative market. 
A month from today, we will have one worship service at 10 o'clock in the morning at which Jan Farley will preach, and then we'll have a special luncheon following to honor Jan for her 20-plus years of ministry among us. We would very much love to have your RSVP so that we can plan accordingly. You can do that by looking at the emails that we send out uh, every Wednesday. The choir is going on tour to Ireland next spring, and they are inviting you to come along with them. You might want to sing, but you don't have to sing. You can just come and enjoy the trip with the choir. If you're interested in that, there is information in Wednesday's email as well as on the church website. I'd like to invite my good friend Doug Clare to come up. Doug has been heading up our stewardship efforts over the last several years and has a yummy message to share with us today. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. All right, how many of you here have ever had a black raspberry? Not a blackberry, different thing, black raspberry. I see a couple people here, so that's good. Uh, many of you know I'm from Minnesota originally, and uh, every summer I get back there for a month or two with my family. We've got a, a house out there that we keep, and um, around middle of July, the black raspberries are ready, and I, I declare it jam day. And then we're off to make jam. So I've, as you guys know, some of you know, I have, uh, I have two kids, uh, twins, eight years old. I have a grown daughter as well. And um, we all have our part to play in jam day. My grown daughter stays back and washes the jars, tries to find them all from the year before. And the twins and I head out to pick the berries. And it works out pretty well because um, <clears throat> the twins are short. They're about the same size as Jack, just a little, <laughs> little younger. And that way, I don't need to get down there and bend down and pick these berries. I get the tall ones. They get the low ones. We get back to the house and uh, get the berries in the kettle. The kids like to mash them, so they, they uh, put the kettle on the floor and they take the masher and mash the berries. Ethan likes to dump in the sugar. I get the honor of dealing with the scalding liquids and getting it in the jars. The point is, we all have a job that suits us, that fits our uh, unique abilities in the making of the jam. And it's worthwhile, because this is some mighty sweet stuff. It reminds me a little bit of a, a verse from 1 Peter chapter 4, a few verses actually. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, Commitment Sunday is sneaking right up on us next week, and um, I would just ask each of you, over the course of the next week to give some prayerful consideration to um, what your role is going to be. What commitment can you make? How can you help make the jam that keeps this place going and helps us all do our, do our part here? So give it some thought. Thank you very much. For that comment, Doug, I'm expecting three gallons of black raspberry jam next year. <laughs> 
Friends, you should receive in your snail mail tomorrow, perhaps, or the day after, a letter that looks like this that has more information about the financial life of the church and your opportunity to make the church happen through your financial gifts. Please pay close attention to that and plan to bring your pledge card with you next Sunday for our Commitment Sunday. Every day, and especially Sunday, is an opportunity for us to give something back to God that He's already given to us so that God's work can go on in the world, not only in your own life, but in the lives of others. And so now as we're hearing some beautiful music, I invite you to come forward to the baskets to share that which God has given for the sake of the world that God loves. God bless.
seated. Will you please join me in prayer? Loving God, let your spirit blow into us and provide us with the courage to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow you. We need you, Lord, even for the baby steps of our faith. We cannot do this without you. Remind us, O God, that we are not asked to do anything that has not already been done for us by your son, Jesus. Remind us, Lord, that our call to follow you is not a lonely call. We are invited to make this journey in community, together with all those who have come before us, with those we walk with today, and for all those who are yet to come. For you are the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. How wonderful it is to love you, Lord. How marvelous it is to be loved by you. God, you call us to live and work as your children on behalf of all your children in the world. Impassion our hearts, Holy One. Fill us with your fire so that we might set the world ablaze with your justice and vision. Let our hands be your hands and our feet be your feet. Let us speak with your mouth and see with your eyes. And Lord, even as we ask for those things, we're frightened by it. What if you say yes? Remind us, O oh God, that it is your love that compels us to trust and to act. On this day, dear Jesus, even as your body was blessed and broken and given so that we might live, let us as your body here on earth be willing to be blessed and broken and given as food for the world. These things we pray in the name of the one who taught us when praying to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. Jesus called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if anyone want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? And now a reading from the gospel according to Luke. Now, large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build a, and was not able to finish. Or, what king going out to wage war against another king will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot, then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. The word of the Lord. It can be very, very easy sometimes to ignore Jesus completely. It can be very, very tempting sometimes, so tempting that we always give in to the temptation to dismiss what Jesus says and move on to something else. I know that that's true about you because it's also true about me. I like to think of Jesus and his benefit in my life in certain kinds of ways. But I don't particularly like everything that Jesus said. Maybe that's true for you as well. Maybe it's true especially when we hear two passages read like we just heard. Let's be honest with each other. There are words here that Jesus uses that we don't like 
Words like denial, losing, giving up, hating people we love, even carrying the instrument of our own death. But there you have it. It's in the Bible. Words that Jesus spoke just as surely as he spoke all the other words that we memorize, that we love, that we tend to dwell on. Many Christians are fond of saying they believe the Bible. And we do. But there's parts of the Bible that are harder to deal with than others. This is one of them. Now, I have devised all sorts of ways to get around these words. There's the good news for you. There's the good news. Let me share with you four ways to get around these words so we don't have to deal with them. One way is to recall that in ancient Middle Eastern ways of talking, people often exaggerated wildly in order to make a point. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. That's an exaggerated way of speaking, and, and we really hope that Jesus was simply exaggerating when he said that we have to deny ourselves, when we have to lose our lives, when we have to hate those that we love. That's one way to get around it. Take it, it's yours. Here's another way. We can make these words into words that were addressed to someone else except for me. Right? Well, Jesus was talking here about the saints. Jesus was talking here about super Christians. I've only been a Christian for 50 years. Give me another 50 years, maybe I'll get there. These words are for the martyrs, for the heroes, but they're not for me. You can take that excuse if you like. Here's another one. Let's turn them into something that Jesus was saying only about our inner attitudes and not our actual actions. Well, what Jesus actually meant here is that if we're sort of trying in our heart, right? If we think that's something I want to aspire to someday, then that's, that's really good enough. That's really good enough. It's a great excuse. I've used it for years. So have you. I've listened to you. <laughs> Take it. It's yours. Another thing we can do with these words is to make them say what they do not say by falling back on this notion that Jesus loves us. Now, I do believe that Jesus loves us. And so what we do in our minds, what I do in my mind sometimes, is say, you know, Jesus loves me. How could he possibly expect me to deny myself, to take up a cross, to do anything that would hurt, anything that, that I really don't want to do? Jesus loves me. There's four excuses for you, four great ways to get past 
these tough passages. Maybe you can come up with something else. I'd love to hear it, actually. But what if Jesus was actually serious about this stuff? What if he actually meant what he said? What if he wasn't pulling any punches and exaggerating? What if because he loves you, he said these things? I happen to think that Jesus was not exaggerating, that Jesus was speaking directly to every single person who says they want to follow him, and especially that Jesus was saying these things precisely because he loves us. And we need to know what this is all about. Think deeply right now with me about the fact that the human heart is touched everywhere in every aspect of itself with self-interest, with pride, with creative ways of making the world into our liking, to fit our needs, to fit the way we think God should have made everything. The human heart is touched everywhere with self-interest. And so every aspect of human life must eventually become subjugated to Jesus or else we're not really following him. Let me say that again. Everything about us, even the best things about us, loving our families, which is a good thing, loving our lives that God gave to us to love, which is a great thing. Even those things can be touched and slightly twisted in our own human way, so much so that someday if we're going to follow Jesus and if we're going to learn how actually to love our families and how actually to live a life, even those things must become subject to the lordship of Jesus or we get it wrong. Jesus does love us so much that he teaches us about the business of remaking life, renewing life, recentering life at the one place where we must center or else we don't have life. It is so easy to make our lives the center of everything. It is so easy to make our families the center of everything. It's so easy to take the great things of life and turn them into God, but they are not. 
And so eventually, maybe it's a little exaggeration to say that we have to hate our father and mother and sister and brother. It's not about hating them. It's about loving God even more. It's about losing life so that you can have it. It's about denying yourself even of the best things of life so that you can get to the single thing that is the source of life itself. And that means that eventually we have to do something about following Jesus. Now, I know. We've all believed, rightly so, that life with God begins with belief. It begins with God's grace. It begins with God's love. It begins as we simply say, here I am, take me. All the warts and problems and issues, absolutely, that's where it begins. But Jesus loves us so much, he doesn't just leave us there. He calls us to do something. One of the former elders of this church, at the end of especially long, wordy committee meetings, would close the meetings in this way. He would say, that's great, folks. Now real work must be done. Real work must be done. Actually following Jesus is not just a mental decision. It's an act, something that we do every day. And in the doing of it, we begin to learn what it means to follow and to be transformed. Jesus says, if you're going to do life with me, you're going to deny yourself, you're going to take up your cross, you're going to follow. How do we do that? How do we do that? I'm not often given a chance to pick up a cross as Jesus was. I don't often recognize when denying myself becomes an option or a possibility. But Jesus has taught us many ways that we begin to learn how to do precisely that. Sometimes we deny ourselves the joy of being with our friends or doing a little bit more work so we can make a little bit more money or kicking back with a good movie and a, and a nice bowl of hot popcorn. Sometimes Jesus calls us to move away from everything of life and spend some time only with Him in solitude and in silence. Sometimes Jesus asks us to move away from some of the great things of life, things that we actually need. Sometimes He says, put aside the food for a while, put aside the drink for a while, Put aside that favorite hobby of yours for a while. Sometimes even put aside sleep for a while. Things that we need so that you can pay attention to me. Sometimes Jesus says, I, I want you to sacrifice something that, that you actually could use. I want you to sacrifice something maybe that you actually do love. 
I want you to sacrifice it for something that's higher, for something that's better, for something that someone else needs. Sacrifice it learning this fact that you can give it all up, but you'll still have him. Those are some ways that we begin to learn how to deny ourselves. Deny yourself the opportunity to sit back with the Sunday morning New York Times while the football games are playing in the background. And there's a cup of hot coffee sitting there waiting for you. Sounds good, doesn't it? Deny yourself. Come to church. You think this is tough. (laughs) Sometimes Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow. Not, Not move away from something, but move towards something. You and I make choices every day. We choose what we're going to read, who we're going to listen to, what we're going to give our time and attention and our sacred money to. What are you going to do? Are you going to give some of your time, some of your attention, some of your energy to God? Are you going to save it only for yourself? Yes, once again, I'm preaching to the choir. (laughs) You have done precisely what Jesus says to do when you move away from all that other great stuff out in life to come and be with Him. But this is just an example. This is just practice for us. My cousin-in-law, Wes Parker, years and years ago said, Jack, our family has decided that we're not going to buy a boat. We're not going to buy a boat. Now, that wasn't so much about buying a boat as what it was that they would be tempted to do with their boat. They're a farming family, and so that means they work six days a week. And on the seventh day, if you have a boat, you go to the lake. You don't go to church. And so they chose to deny themselves and not buy the boat. What's your boat? W.R. Ng said that it is necessary that we should steadily resolve to give up anything that comes between ourselves and God anything, anything, your family, your friends, your work, your reputation. If anything comes between you and God, that's bad news. That's the end of life. You and I are trying to learn how to build our lives on the rock of Jesus' words, all of Jesus' words. You and I are trying to build our lives on the foundation that Jesus laid for us with His example of life, with His leadership. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and then all these things and the good things of life will be added back into your life. Does Jesus not want you to have a family? No, that's not what it is. Does Jesus not want you to live? No, that's not what it is. Jesus wants you to get your heart right with Him, and only when you do that can everything else then fall into place in the way that He means for it to. 
so that you can truly have the blessings of God. Jesus himself did that. When he left the beauty and the glory and the peace of heaven and came down to this messy earth to be with us. Jesus did that when he laid down his life for us so that he could invite us into real life, true life, abundant and eternal life. That's why every month at least we gather around this table. We gather around this place where we remember Jesus' sacrifice for us, the fact that he denied himself, that he took up his cross. We remember these things so that we can be filled with who Jesus is, so that we can learn to follow him again today, so that we can be filled with his forgiveness, with his power, with his strength, with his love. Ministering in his name, I invite all of you to come. We actually are going to come to the table today. About 800 years ago, when the pandemic hit, <laughs> we started handing out those little plastic cups of cardboard bread and watered-down juice, and we had to take our communion individually, and some of you may still want to do that and need to do that, and we respect that completely. If you need one of those, there are going to be some servers here that have them available for you. But we're going to invite everyone to come to the center aisle. If you're sitting on the outside, we invite you to go to the back and then come down the center aisle. We have beautiful baskets here of gluten-free bread. There isn't a bit of gluten anywhere within 10 miles of this church. <laughs> Take a piece of the gluten-free bread and dip it in the cup and then return to your seats by the outer aisle. If you're not able to come forward, that's okay too. Just look for the servers and, and we'll take it to you. The most important thing is that you receive the gift of Christ for your life today. On the night of his betrayal, on that very night, as Jesus sat around the table with his disciples, his friends, he lifted the bread and he broke it. And he said words that astonished them. He said, this is, this is the bread of life. This is my body broken for you. Whenever you eat this, remember me. In the same way, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying this cup is the sign of the new covenant sealed in my blood. Whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the saving death of the Lord Jesus Christ until he comes again. Come, enjoy the feast.
Let's go to God in prayer. Creator God, in your hands and at the sound of your voice, all things came into being. As you breathed life into the world, we were honored with the title of steward and caregiver for all creation, including one another. It's because of your will that we seek peace and justice in the lands and among the nations. We give thanks for the privilege of serving and worshiping you. We would only ask that you might guide us in serving you and your beloved kingdom in ways that, that give you joy. You came in innocence and trust, precious Lord, and you continue to love us with a deep, unfathomable commitment, even as we betrayed you time and time again. And then, oh God, when we abandoned you, we left ourselves at our most vulnerable. You provided a comforter, a guide, a part of you that would never leave us alone, your Holy Spirit. For all these things, Lord, we give you thanks. And we pray these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen.
one of the things that we know about the human psyche, the human soul, the human being, is that whatever is in our hearts, the very center of our beings, is what directs and controls our whole lives. Jesus does enter our hearts so that he then can enter the actions of our lives and reach out to love the world that he loves as we learn to center then only always forever on Jesus as we learn to center with him there then we get to have everything else the blessing of abundant life may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us today and forever Amen, Amen.